Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey, my lovely Heart of Dating family, how are y'all doing? If I'm being real, I'm not doing super hot right now. If you can't tell by my voice, I have some congestion because I have a sinus infection. So not the best for me, but I couldn't not record this intro today because I was just so excited to get this content into your ears. Oh, I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Our guest today is Mo Isom, and she really blows my mind as we passionately dove into the topics of sex, boundaries, virginity, and purity. That's right. We're going there, all of the things. And I have to admit, these topics are some of the top things that y'all write into us about for guidance. And I just have to preface this conversation by saying that I get it. I know, trust me, I know the struggle is real. But just because it's hard does not mean we should give up in fighting for what God truly intended for us. So one last thing before we get into this episode today, I just want to ask you guys, have you had a chance to rate and review us yet on iTunes? I love getting to read your amazing reviews and trust me, they help us so much. So go to the bottom of iTunes, hit the stars and rank us five stars and then write us a really quick, even just 30 second or less review. Recently, Nettie Bell 12 said, I'm so grateful for this podcast. I'm a 30-something single, and while I haven't listened to every episode just yet, every single one I have listened to offers so much advice and encouragement for anyone and whatever they're in. If you are single, dating, or married and want to better support your single friends, this podcast is an absolute requirement in your library. Thank you so much. It warms my heart every single time. Okay, last thing, if you want to connect with us even further, there are two ways to do that. First, you can join us on Instagram where we have an amazing family and we actively post inspiration, encouragement, education, all sorts of things on our feed. You can find us on Instagram at at Heart of Dating. And then lastly, I want to encourage you to come on over to Facebook and join our community over there. We're actually going to be adding new videos and various educational pieces over on Facebook in the coming weeks. So we'd love for you to go and like our page and and join us over in that space. Okay, y'all, let's get into it today. Mo Isom is a New York Times bestselling author of Wreck My Life, Journeying from Broken to Bold, and the author of Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot. She is a nationally sought-after speaker, a popular faith-based blogger, and a zealous voice rising up for her generation. Over the past several years, she has spoken both within the U.S. and internationally to over 400 different conferences, organizations, corporations, churches, teams, and schools. She has reached people worldwide with messages of hope, transformation, and timely Holy Spirit-led revelation, seeing thousands commit their lives to following Christ. Oh, girl, that is so amazing. Mo currently lives in Atlanta, Georgia with her husband, Jeremiah Aiken, and their daughters, Auden and Asher, with their third little baby on the way. And I'm going to be real with y'all today in that I've been really cautious in selecting who I wanted to come on the podcast to speak about purity. It's a beautiful word that has sadly not always been used the best of ways. 
within the church, especially surrounding the purity culture. And maybe for some of you, you have had some shame related to this word. So I wanted to bring Mo on today to really bring the truth about the beauty of how God designed sex, why he calls us to be pure in more areas than just in the context of sex, and how we can face the tireless desire of sexual temptation. So get out your pen and be prepared to be blown away today by Mo. Also, I want to encourage you to share this with any of your friends who have struggled in this area, which is probably a lot of them, okay, right? But seriously, this is a conversation that needs to be spread. All right, Mo Isa, I'm so excited to have you on Heart of Dating today. Welcome. Thank you. This is a treat. I'm so excited. I have to tell you, girl, I've been wanting to have this conversation and so many of the listeners before, I mean, before I, I mean, I wanted to have you on and then we talked to all the listeners and they have been consistently voting to have you on the podcast. So they're going to be really, really happy that you're here. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. That's encouraging for me to hear. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm super pumped, girl. So about a year ago, you released a book called Sex, Jesus and the Conversations church forgot, which I read. And I have to say that I was just so impressed in reading this by your true and utter honesty about this conversation that really needs to be had. So first of all, thank you for writing that book. Thank you so much. Yeah. It was, it was my pleasure. You know, I, it was nerve wracking in the process writing that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even getting the word from God that that was sort of the direction that I was supposed to head and, you know, putting those words on paper and rehashing a lot and sharing things I had honestly never really publicly shared before. Yeah. It was terrifying. It was really scary at some parts of thinking like, oh, this is going to be published like yeah. forever and yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah, read it. And yeah. I think I was so scared about what the the backlash or what the negative could be. I, mm. I totally underestimated the glory of what God does with our vulnerability. Oh, and so it was like everything that I feared never materialized. And mm. once those words were out there, it was amazing to hear response, feedback, the connection that occurred, the community. Yeah. It was like, I don't think... I think I was so consumed with being nervous myself, like sharing Mm -hmm. my own story. I failed to realize God was like, you're about to knit about a million people's stories together and Mm -hmm. let them not feel so alone. And so it's been really, really neat to hear that feedback from people. Just even again, thanking for writing the book. I'm like, you're welcome because I peed myself a lot in the process. (laughs) I was so scared. So (laughs) Even real. Well, even just reading the title, I mean, I'm like, oh, I mean, it just made me want to read it just reading the title before I knew what it was really about. I was like, yes. (laughs) And did not need a subtitle. I pitched that one to the publisher and they were like, okay, I think uh, we don't need to discuss subtitle here. This says it all. Yeah, this says it all. So no, obviously people, I totally encourage everyone if they haven't read the book to pick it up and you've written other books as well. But, um, so I know that so much of your story compelled you to write this book. So maybe just to start our conversation as we dive into kind of sex, purity, all these things, would you share a little bit about that conviction on your heart and kind of what led you to writing this specific book? Yeah, I, you know, my first book, um, wreck my life was really an account of my testimony of coming to faith and involved a lot of adversity, a lot of trauma, young, and, um, just a really radical encounter with Jesus and complete life change. And as I was writing that book and just sort of recounting, I guess the full arc of my story of 
transformation, you know, of coming Mm. to life in Christ, I realized, wait a second, you know, this whole sexual layer of my story, of my testimony, it starts in the same place my story starts. And it's Mm. still a work in progress here as my story continues. I can't just cram all this into one chapter. Like it's Mm -hmm. too much. It's too layered. There's too many directions of conversation here that I know people are, you know, also living out and struggling Mm. with. And so I, I sort of touch on it in the first book, but then I, I think I knew from, from that point moving forward that I had to tackle, you know, this conversation and, and the sexual topic in far more detail, yeah. um, in a whole other book, because, you know, when it comes to the sexual conversation, I feel like we could go in a million different directions. Mm-hmm. There's about a million offshoots, but mm-hmm. I really resolved, you know, God, I've, I've lived a a chunk of these issues and I've walked through them and you've been faithful to address every single one of them. Mm -hmm. So I'll write into what I have authority to speak into, which is the the parts that have impacted my story. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it just brings us back. I think all of us can be brought back to the simplicity and the beauty of the scripture that tells us that sin is defeated by the blood of the lamb and the Mm -hmm. word of our testimonies. Mm -hmm. And so even when it's hard, even when it's been messy, even when it's maybe still messy, it's like God will use our messy stuff for his glory. And I, I knew it was sort of non-negotiable. He was saying that was, (laughs) that was the next area to hit. And so we just kind of, um, kind of dove in and, and trusted it and trusted the process in that. And like I kind of mentioned before, I, I, um, I don't even think I realized the extent to which yeah. the body of Christ was truly starving for these conversations, yeah. like hungry, really, really hungry. Um, so it's been a neat territory to start to kind of walk through. I love it, girl. And the cool part about this book is, well, a huge heart posture of mine is to start conversations that the church isn't really happen- having. And mm-hmm. I, I love the church. I am a part of a church body and I really support the church body, but there are conversations that are lacking in some ways and yeah. that just need to be had. Hence why I even started this podcast on dating to kind of go into a lot of the topics as a rising single culture emerges that the church isn't really addressing that much um, yeah. to yeah. us as a single population. Um, and what I also love love about your writing and your story and what you have been encouraging people to do is that this isn't just for people who are single or who are going through this. It's also for parents. It's also for, you know, how to better educate our children as they're growing up in learning what sex is and what purity really means and all of these things. So I think that that's what's so cool about the widespread reach of what this book has done. And I probably so much of why so many different people I'm sure have been attracted to it or impacted by it. Yeah. It's been kind of astounding really to see just like you just said, kind of the wide arc reach of Mm. who it's impacted. I kind of wrote it as a woman. So with women in mind, though, I hear from so many men that have dug into it as well. And I just think that's neat. You know, I wrote it as a young millennial kind Mm. of, you have to kind of pick as an author who you're writing to. You have to envision your person. So, you know, I kind of wrote to millennials, but then to hear from people so much younger, to hear from parents, to hear from people so much older, what it really has done is it's kind of put into perspective an issue that has really permeated our culture for quite a while. And I think where the enemy just has such a stronghold, it has just become 
this generational cycle. And Mm -hmm. for every generation, the reasons kind of change of why we don't talk about it, why we aren't talking about it or how we've perverted it and twisted it and talk about it in the wrong ways. It's like the issues change, but the, the generational cycle has persisted Mm. of struggling as sexual beings with sexual sin, feeling silenced by shame. Mm -hmm. So we don't talk about it or it's too taboo or we're afraid of what people's responses would be. So never really moving in healing or wholeness. Mm -hmm. And so then when our children come around, there's a fear of navigating the conversation or a, a lack of understanding of how to or a really not knowing what God even says about it all. Yes, exactly. And it's like, you know, I've heard from, mm-hmm. I mean, old people who, who yeah. are like, who are like, what's funny is that all of you young people think these are issues that you're just dealing with right now, but we were walking through the exact same stuff. And it's yeah. like, it just, it too brings that scripture to life. That's like no temptation that's overtaken you is uncommon to man. Mm-hmm. And so to hear kind of the generational cycle that's persisted really, I think what it roots around is the failure to cultivate Mm. the God honoring truthful conversations about it is what's caused this cycle to kind of persist. It's like, at some point we've got to stand up and be the generation that's really set apart. It's like, uh, can we, can we see a shift here? You know, like, can we really start to understand and dig in and receive revelation and and move in healing and like really speak truth. What would that do? Like, let's take, let's take a chance here. What would it do for our, you know, the generations to come? So it's worth it. Yeah. Instead of it just being like this ambiguous topic that we're like, Oh, I don't know. I just know that, you know, you just know basic things, but not really knowing it's like, well, why can't we, why can't we know? Why can't we dive into it? And if we're not getting it specifically from the people at our church, how do we work as a community, as a culture, as a Christian like subset to actually work to bring truth and wholeness to this area? Um, Mm -hmm. And within the the context of dating, I know this is like a really big topic. I think it's one of the most common things people write into me asking about sex, physical boundaries, purity, all, I mean, every one in three to five questions at least to me is about this. So I just want to kind of start off by asking you and everything you've learned in your personal story, why do you think that we struggle so much with sex and physical boundaries within Christian dating? You know, I think first and foremost, um, like I said, because we don't actually know truth. We haven't mm-hmm. been talked to about it in the right way. We haven't dug in and really searched the word of God for his voice in the matter. We sort of have just in many ways been kind of led by a culture, um, by a, you know, a, a fractured church culture when it comes to this conversation and by a very unhealthy worldly culture. Mm-hmm. And like, for me, I was, you know, grew up in the church, but my parents kind of probably assumed the church was having the harder conversations with me. The church probably assumed the family what really no one was. And so it was the culture. It was the media. It was movies. It was TV. It was friends Mm -hmm. that sort of, you just kind of blindly touch and go, try to figure out what is you know, what are, what am I dealing with here? And what do I want? And what's my body telling me? And, you know, it's like, 
We don't really have a sourced truth or understanding, yet we are sexual beings. We are knit together by God as Mm -hmm. sexual beings. And these urges, these feelings, this sort of ingrained sexuality within us is strong and it's powerful and it's important and it was created with purpose. And it's Mm -hmm. like, but if we don't really know the guidelines on it, then inevitably, and and I should say, and why God calls us to the guidelines he's given us, not just this rule list of do this, don't do that, but like why it matters. Mm -hmm. Then what really starts to happen is and this is this was totally my story. So disclaimer to every single listener: I am preaching. Uh, yes. as a, I'm a pilgrim, not a preacher. I'm speaking <laughs> from like every hard lesson learned, every hard way. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you know, we kind of blindly navigate into adolescence, and we're exposed to quite a bit. I was exposed to porn at nine years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we have all of these influencing, changing voices around us. It's confusing. So we just kind of start to follow what the urges of our body are, what we want, what we think is fine and permissible. And like I said, it's, it's really, if we stopped and thought about it, there's no sourced truth to what's guiding us. It is just sort of, we're living by our flesh, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and that's a powerful pull. And so I think what becomes really challenging, especially in the Christian dating sphere is um, the the water seems muddy because the conversations aren't happening or are happening the wrong way or are confusing. Mm -hmm. We're following what we think are just these rule lists of do this, don't do that. And that's never going to sustain us Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) because then our question becomes, okay, is it like, what counts? Like how far is it too far? Exactly. How many conversations do I have? with people about that, like the, what, far, how far is too far? I'm like, Oh gosh, that is not, we can't talk about that. That's coming. It's the we, wrong question. Yeah, exactly. It's the wrong question, mm-hmm. but it's the question of many of our hearts. Ultimately, oh, yeah. we kind of give this and, and it was mine. It's when we give this yep. works-based answer to what really is a life surrender question from God, mm-hmm. like love me with all of your heart, all mm-hmm. of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength. God wants to tend to, to work on, to purify the condition of our hearts because our actions flow from our heart. But instead we're in muddy conversations. We don't really know. We're kind of confused, no real source understanding. So we're like, I guess as a Christian, I should do X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. Um, And so here's my works. Here's like my semi good behavior, God. And, and it's just a workspace answer yes. and it's never going to sustain us. We inevitably fall and we struggle and we stumble. And what's really sad is then you have two people who love Jesus, who are in a, a dating relationship, who are gripped with sexual sin. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's killing the relationship yeah. because you both know Jesus and you know the conviction you feel, but now you're in deeper than you intended to be. And it's just messy. It's so messy. It's so messy. So something you brought up too is like really understanding the why, the why behind why is sex good? Why did God create sex? And why, and then, you know, the next why is why he does command us to wait. So Mm -hmm. maybe we can kind of go into like, why is some of that? Cause I want to give people a little bit of answers. And I know you answer so much of this in your book, but love to kind of talk a little bit, break that down a bit right now. Yeah. I think a beautiful layer of it first is 
that um, the realization, uh, it seems startling, it's not, but sex is actually God's invention. Uh, he created yes. it. Amen. He created us. He created sex. And, and I'm speaking of everything that kind of falls under the sexual umbrella. So yeah. for people listening, when, when we're talking sex here, it's for a long time, I was like, oh, that's just the one little final act. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's just that sex. Nothing else really counts. I waved my like vain virginity vow, even though I was living in the gray area and total oh, yeah. sexual sin, but mm-hmm. that's a whole nother conversation. Um, <laughs> we might get think, there, girl. I want to talk about that too. <laughs> we can go there. You know, I think it's when we start to understand, okay, I'm made by God as a sexual being. Mm-hmm. Sex is God's invention. In fact, it's a gift from God, given with parameters, given with context, but it is a gift from him. God's gifts are good. They're never meant to be burdensome. They're never meant to be shameful. They're never meant to be abusive. God's gifts in his context are good. And sex is a good gift from God that is actually an act of worship. Mm -hmm. It is a unifying gift between a husband and a wife. It is a powerful tangler of souls. Mm -hmm. And it's really, actually, there's a beautiful layer. It's a weapon against the enemy Mm -hmm. in the right context and, and wielded in the proper form. It is such a unifying gift that it is an absolute weapon against the one who comes to seek to kill and destroy. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think when we start to put these words, this context around it, which we don't hear often and we don't really talk about often, it's like, oh, maybe this like actually has some meaning. Maybe this isn't just a mental decision or, you know, we we're like compartmentalized conscience generation. We're like, oh, it's just a physical, it's just my like, you know. Mm -hmm friend with benefits. It's just an emotional decision. I just needed this because of X, Y, and Z. We can't compartmentalize something that God created as a literal tangler of souls, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. There's no way to choose. I just want it to be this and not have, you know, all of the other pieces weave in because it was created as a unifying tool that literally binds two into one flesh. And like I said, in marriage, this is beautiful. And I think the church misses celebrating the beauty and the power Mm -hmm. and the wonder of sex in the right context. So there leads to a whole other angle of like, it's bad. It's bad. Deny, 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 and then stand at the and altar. Avoid. It's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, like how do you? You can't switch it on and off like that. Oh, yeah, man. this is not. It, that leads into a whole nother deal of post marriage issues. But right. I think when we start to really hear sex spoken about this way, this is a holy gift. There's sanctity in sex. Mm-hmm. There is beautiful purpose by God. Then we start to understand. Oh, okay. If He gave me this gift with purpose then what is that purpose? Why would it matter that I know and be obedient and deny my flesh? I mean, if I'm a sexual being and I'm having these feelings, what does it mean when these feelings come on and I don't have a wedding ring on yet? What do I do? You know, and it's like, this is when we can sit in the why of understanding, oh yeah, I'm not just here, I'm his. Mm. Like he created me my identity, my worth, my value. He knit me together in my mother's womb with purpose over my days. So when we have the understanding of our identity in him, we start to understand, oh, okay, 
like he desires, when we look at the word, what he constantly calls for is a pure heart. This is because what he desires is a pure vessel that he can work in and through, that you can purely and intimately know God, that he can move through you, that there's no distraction, there's no hindrance, there's no sin that muddies the water to your understanding of your worth in the father's eyes. Mm. And he, uh, he longs for our obedience in this regard because he knows what's best for us. Mm. When we're obedient, we know a nearness to him that we can hardly put words around. Mm. When we're disobedient, we're constantly distracted. It's like, I mean, and this is speaking from experience. It's, it's, you know, you want to serve God, you want to be near to God, but there's a block. There's a, there's a chasm. Like you can't, it's so frustrating. It's weighty. You feel guilty. You feel shameful. You don't even know why it's like really heavy. Mm. So I think I could go on and on because I just get really passionate about this topic, but it it roots so much in identity and in our worth. And if we know our identity in him, then we begin to recklessly sit in obedience, no matter what the cost, no matter if we don't understand it, no matter if it feels confusing, if the word of God would say, flee from sexual immorality, that, that it is designed with intent, with purpose for husband and wife. Okay, God, I don't like it. I don't love it. I don't understand why, but I'm going to trust you because I want to be near to you. I, I know your heart. I know that you know what's best for me and you've made me with purpose. And so I want to see that purpose played out in its fullness. And it's like, I I think obedience is not, it's not legalism. It's not earning our way into his favor. It is an overflow of the encounter of his grace. And we're like, then whatever you say, God, I'll do it. And, and this becomes the beauty of what purity truly is, Mm -hmm. what it becomes And this becomes also sort of a perspective shift for us in, oh, okay, so in singleness, when I have these urges, when I have these wants, maybe you're doing a good work when Mm -hmm. I actually obey you and learn self-control and learn to deny my flesh so my spirit can rise. That's just scripture. Mm -hmm. When we, you know, feed the flesh, your flesh will rule, feed the spirit, your spirit will rule. And it's like, okay, God, I don't like it. And it's hard. I don't even know how you know, to do this, but I'm going to put in place these practical steps and these boundaries and, um, you know, these areas of understanding so that whatever you're trying to do in me right now in singleness, I can grow in, in an undistracted way. And I can, can gain the tools that I'm trusting if marriage comes, I'll need in marriage and I'll be stronger and better off for having them. Mm. I'll go on and no, on. No, 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 I'm, I'm sweaty. Listen, I'm like, yes, girl, preach it. <laughs> I can say to your listeners, I'm, I'm presently nine months pregnant I know. and pouring sweat. I just, You're just like, <laughs> you are preaching. She is working on the other end of this line right now. Friends, I want to take a quick pause in today's episode to tell you about something I am so excited about. I just want to say that I know the struggle is real with dating in our current culture. It can be marking and confusing and sometimes just so frustrating. Do you ever feel like you have no idea what you're doing or that you keep trying and failing or that you just don't know how to handle hard situations or conversations with people? Or maybe you just feel stuck in a dating wasteland with no good potentials. I get it and I have felt a ton of those exact same things. 
Now, a huge issue when it comes to dating is that we don't have a ton of great resources out there for guidance. The Bible doesn't talk about dating because it didn't exist at the time. And now today, about 50% of the church in the U.S. is single, and even that number is growing. So the problem is that we need resources. I get it. I get all your frustrating feelings. So I have made it a goal of mine to research and talk to pastors and watch videos and read as many books as I can just so that I can be equipped to do this podcast as well as go into my own dating life with the best and sharpest possible tools. And I have exciting news today. I have compiled all of my favorite dating resources and created a free resource guide for you so you don't have to scour for all the best things to read or watch anymore. It is called The 7 Resources to Change the Dating Game. I truly believe that this guide will help you navigate this journey with clarity and intention. It is going to help you to sharpen the tools in your toolbox and get out there and date amazingly. You can grab this free resource by visiting heartofdating.com forward slash seven resources. That is heartofdating.com forward slash seven resources. I am so excited for you guys to get your hands on this incredible free resource. So you just touched on so many great things. I mean, one thing being that, yeah, when it when we when we engage sexually, and that's not just the act of intercourse, but any kind of sexual area, it it can connect us emotionally, spiritually, mentally, oh, yeah. and physically. It's and you explain that in the book, but how like emotionally it's an expression of love and physically, yeah. I mean, obviously there's yeah. a physical element, but then spiritually it it's meant to bond us in a way. And yeah. mentally, there's like things that go on in our brains. I mean, it, it connects us in all these different ways. So to do it casually, and I'm not even just talking about intercourse because I mean, granted the stats are that 69% or more of Christians, evangelical Christians have had sex within the last year, which is astounding to me. But, um, even beyond that, you know, for the rest, for that, plus all the other, um, forms of intimacy that happens within dating, uh, which is, I mean, it still is bonding in those ways. Um, and Yeah. yeah. And so then kind of going into the topic of purity, which I know you just touched on, but, you know, personally, and I haven't really covered this topic a lot at, in a, a huge way on this podcast, because sometimes I have issues with the way people frame it up, you know, um, and that's personally why I was so excited to also have you on, because the way you explain it and go about talking about it is is so perfect in the way it should be described. And I'm totally in line with how it, you present it because a lot of times the way we grew up in this purity culture, it's kind of, you know, very rule based and can create a lot of shame, right? Because it's like, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Uh, mm-hmm. Or there's the other side where we follow it. And, um, but it becomes a sense of self righteousness for those who do follow it, where it's like this badge of honor without truly yeah. knowing the right heart posture. So I really see both sides happen happening. Mm -hmm. And I just want to read something that you wrote in your book. And I was clapping out loud when I read this, but you said, okay, there was some sort of pride that came with the title of virgin. I wore it like a badge of honor. It was something I could control a distinctive factor that set me apart, a title that I gradually owned and even flaunted as if somehow it amplified my righteousness for people to praise. The church exalted it as well. So to me, being in line with my parents' wishes and in line with the church's instruction made me feel that much better of a person, like that much better of a 
of a Christian. Uh, And I was like, amen, girl. That, I mean, the reason I'm bringing that up is because it isn't just about following the rule. It is Mm -hmm. so much more about the deep understanding and the heart posture. And I have a similar in ways story to you in that my sexual past was glittered with so many different, you know, sexual encounters and not understanding and then feeling so much shame because I wouldn't go all the way, but then I would do all these other things. And eventually I did go all the way. And, you know, now being in relationships today, it's even come up where, um, in more recent years where I've really made a new renewed vow to myself, but coming and being in relationship with someone who has abstained and maybe they're in their thirties, you know, it's hard for them to even understand that I have a past, um, that's different from theirs. And it almost seems like there sometimes is this level of righteousness because, they don't have a past and I do. And so I really just wanted to bring up like, you know, diving in a little further about how we can more holistically understand this entire concept of purity and more healthily approach the purity culture, because I love the word purity. I just want it to be, I want to see it, that word used in a healthier way, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. It's, um, Well, first off, I think, you know, we have to love the word purity and that's hard. You're right. Because there's like, I grew up in like the purity ring. Exactly. Yes. Me too. Yeah. Just, just weird. It's like when the church did try to talk about it, it was so awkward because it wasn't really from this like full understanding, holistic approach, like you said. And so we have to love that word though, because that word is birthed from the word of God. Yeah. It is consistently what God speaks over us. Create in me a pure heart, yeah. oh God. Yeah. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. It is purity that God, it, it's holiness, it's purity. It is what the great call of a believer is to. Yeah. And it's incredibly intimidating because we're like, I am so far from that. Yeah. I am so disqualified. And so thank goodness for the cross of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. who begins a good work that he will bring to completion, who is in the business of purifying us, of sanctifying us, of healing us, of tending to us. This is profoundly the walk of a believer, Mm -hmm. not always our, 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 you know, work that the world sees on the outside, but the work that we're allowing Christ to do on the inside. Mm-hmm. And this is ultimately what God sent Christ for yeah. to purify us. And so I think we have to fall back in love with that word, but I think you're also very right in that uh, it's so easily confused mm-hmm. and it's so easily misused right. and um, it's so easily worn as that badge of honor. Here's what's really interesting in that passage that you wrote when yeah. if, if someone reads the the full book, what they would understand is that I was, what I heard about was virginity. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was the marker of what God wants. You know, that's, that's a pure girl. Uh, yet when I'm waving this vain virgin banner, I'm a virgin, I'm a virgin. I haven't done X, Y, Z, this Mm self-righteous, you know, place I'm addicted to pornography behind closed doors from eight to 18 or nine Mm -hmm. to 18 years old, literally addicted to pornography, um, habitually masturbating, pushing the the envelope with guy after guy. And like mm-hmm. I said, in that gray area of like, 
uh, well, it's not all the way. And so, you know, how far is too far? How, how much can I push the envelope here? Mm -hmm. And really extremely impure in heart. I mean, just in every way, goodness. I mean, if you read the book, there was adultery in the equation in college and not even realizing it's with this married man. And, and it's like, yet I was still sitting there like, well, I'm a virgin. Like I'm still a pure virgin. And it's like, what, how, how much have we allowed our, our justification and our confusion and our self-righteousness to blind us. Mm. And it's like Christ came to give the blind sight. Mm. And it, it was when I came to know Jesus that my eyes were really opened to like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I am so misunderstood what you value most, God. I have lived in this, you know, hey, I'm, I'm pure. I'm a, a virgin mindset to, you know, ultimately feel better about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm in no way, I'm the woman at the well. Yeah. I'm, I'm the whore at the well. Mm-hmm. I'm the adulteress to be stoned. And who are you in light of that, Jesus? Because mm-hmm. like, I've been talking the talk. I was, yeah, the cultural Christian. I'm in Atlanta. I'm the yeah. Bible belt. Like, yeah, I'm the pure virgin. And, and yet I'm realizing like, I'm the one who's set to be stoned. Mm-hmm. And and who are you in light of all of this? And what was profound was that as I really started to dig into the word of God, yes, there's instruction of what is best for us, but there's immeasurable grace in what he will redeem and what he will renew. And could virginity be reclaimed by scientific standards? No. Mm-hmm. Could purity be reclaimed by the grace of God? Yes. Mm. And it's like, this is, this is, the way Jesus enters and transforms our hearts. It is not just behavior modification. Oh, Hey, I need to, you know, stop sleeping around, stop doing this, stop trying that. Maybe I should, you know, put the phone down every time the urge to look at porn comes over me. Maybe I should try this or that. It won't sustain. It will not sustain us. It is not just behavior modification. It is heart transformation. And when we, sit down and sober up and realize, oh, what? There's this one scripture. I won't be able to think of the citation, but it literally talks about like, don't think that you're better off than you are. You're only fooling yourself. Like I'm like, oh, punch in the gut. (laughs) But it's so true. If we would sit down and sober up and say, God, is my life glorifying to you? Mm-hmm. Is what I'm doing in my dating relationship right now, in my engagement season, in my marriage, is this pure in your sight? Mm-hmm. Would this bring you honor and glory if, well, you do see it, but if I woke up and realized you saw it all, like, and if we can sober up and, and see what is, uh, truly pure, what is not. And I would even speak into the pride of self-righteousness when mm-hmm. I say that. If some of these who have never done a thing, never touched a boy would step back and realize that's beautiful and amazing and wonderful, but there is grace for those who haven't, uh, who haven't lived quite like that. If we would even sober up enough to put our pride aside, um, to see humanity in others and the illogical grace of Jesus, I think we would start to embrace purity in a new way. And I think we would be able to encourage one another better in purity. 
because it is, again, it's a non-negotiable in the equation of a follower of Christ because his blood is what makes us pure. Mm. And so it's like, we tiptoe around this and we don't really want to talk about purity or we Mm. talk about it all wrong or we, you know, X, Y, or Z around the topic. And I'm like, oh man, if we understood that, that the purity that comes by relationship with Jesus, by the blood of Jesus is available for the buttoned up church girl as readily as it's available for the stripper on the weekend, yeah. like we would be able to cultivate conversations in a completely different way. Oh my God. That's the work he wants to do in every single one of us. Yeah. And we, we've got to kind of, I guess, humble ourselves before the Lord so he can lift us up, humble ourselves and realizing, <laughs> you know, maybe I've never had sex, but maybe I'm actually kind of struggling with porn. And there's really no difference when, when he's looking at my heart. Like it's, it's so good because there is what you're saying, like the heart posture behind it. And where I come back to even talking about so many different things we do in dating, I'm like, like, should I reach out? Should I do this? And those are like smaller elements, but always come back to what is your intention behind it? What is your yeah. truly, if you can check in with my intention and your intention, I feel like that reveals the answer, right? Yeah. And when we go like, God reveal, like, is my intention here good or not? And I feel like we know that if we come to God with that, like he will yeah. reveal that in our heart and our spirit of like, what is our true intention, if it's good or not. And the same yeah. sexually, right? If we're physically being intimate with someone and we're crossing a boundary, if we can come back to what is my intention here in this? Mm-hmm. And we and if we really bring that to God, I, I know that he will convict that in our heart if we're really being real about that. Exactly. Um, Here's what's hard though, just yeah. to jut in real quick. Yeah. Uh, this generation doesn't want conviction. We're like, <laughs> so true. no. If I brought it to him and he did convict me, what do I do? Does that mean I have to repent? I don't like that word. It's like, oh my goodness. That though is the beauty. You will stay stagnant and stuck if there is, Mm -hmm. if we're not willing to, to bring those things before him, to ask him, search my heart, create me a clean heart. Like if we have to humble ourselves enough to bring that to him. And then we've got to humble ourselves to hear his reply, to listen for his still small voice. And in light of whatever he reveals to us, even if it's hard, even if it hurts, mm-hmm. even if it's the worst thing, it it sucks. It's like, I call it hard, but holy heart work. Like <laughs> even if it fillets us wide open, we mm-hmm. have to say, if this is not honoring to you, let me repent. Let me turn from it. Let me seek your forgiveness, your purifying blood, and let me turn and flee from, you know, we're talking sex. This applies to all sin, really. Yeah, yeah. Let me flee from sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Let me, t- I will take off running because mm-hmm. I want to honor you and this is harming me. And it's like, this is an equation that I think in the millennial generation is so hard for us. We, we don't really want our eyes to be opened because we know there's crud in there and we know it's going to. Uh, be sometimes a process to work through and we know there's going to be sacrifice and we're like, I don't really want to repent. Like, yeah. And we're kind of numbing ourselves completely to the spirit of God. And, I think- and, and 
Uh, not yeah, to interrupt ahead. you, but I think in that too, there's so much encouragement from other people as well. We're like, we don't see enough people standing up, taking the right heart posture or embracing the conviction and incurring, uh, encouraging other people or being real about their convictions. And therefore we're kind of living in this culture of complacency, like, well, they're doing it and nobody's really talking about like, we are not, all of us are in Christian relationships and we're not having sex, but you know, we're crossing all these other boundaries, but nobody's really talking about how that's negative. And so I'm right. not going to, if I feel a little bit of conviction, I'm just going to kind of suppress that because, hey, everyone else is doing this and yeah. they seem to be in just fine relationships. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the real of the real. Like that is what I see all the time. And even I've struggled with in relationships in the past, you know, it's like, well, they're in a good relationship and I know kind of what they're doing and they seem to be fine. So I, yeah. I guess I'm good. <laughs> it's, it's, but here's what's so dangerous about that. And you're mm -hmm. right. That's the realest of the real. That's where our that's where our heart posture is right now. Yeah. Again, it's like kind of a rationalization. Um, the real is that you're seeing what they want you to see of their relationship. Mm -hmm. And actually even that boyfriend or that girlfriend is only really showing their boyfriend or their girlfriend, what they want them to see of them mm -hmm. in the throes of that. It doesn't mean goodness. If we're creatures knit together by God <laughs> and, 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 we are, we are created. We are not just here to function. However, then whether you are faithfully following him or not, you, you know, the weight when you lay down at night mm -hmm. and when you're faced with consequence or with repercussion, or when you're struggling as the girlfriend to even remember your own worth, because you only feel worthy of you know, y'all can only solve a conflict if you come together physically, because that's what right. he needs. You know, in the still quiet places in your heart, the voice of a God who is trying to get your attention. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we look at these other relationships and we, we think, yeah, that's fine. That's good. And so why not? And you are also only seeing that relationship in its present state. I was literally astounded by what I carried into marriage mm. that I had no idea would follow me into marriage. It's like, we think standing at the altar and saying, I do is going to be this quick yeah. fix. And we're like, Whoa, finally passed all, all sudden, the weight of Everything that. has like, just come off and now it's all brand new. It's like, and the, now it's so still good carrying that backpack with you. Backpack of exactly. bricks from your past. It doesn't just disappear magically. It doesn't just disappear. And so you see a breakup happen mm -hmm. and there's incredible fracture because yeah. of sexual sin that's been in it and struggle. You see then marriage happen and there's, there's tension, there's issue in the marriage. I mean, mm -hmm. <clears throat> goodness, we could go into a whole deal about the necessity of breaking off ties and <laughs> what you can bring in. You could be laying next to a spouse whom you love with all of your heart with children in another room and yet gripped nightly by sexually perverse dreams because of your involvement with people in the past. Yeah. This is what we meant by it's a tangler of souls. There mm -hmm. are actual fractures. There are repercussions. There are pieces that stay with you. Mm -hmm. And it's like when we sit in the present and we're just like, well, this seems fine right now, you know, or they're doing X, Y, or Z, or she went through that and, you know, she made it out. It's like, whoa, we're, we're really, um, we're really choosing to Lord our own lives. Mm -hmm. and we're really, really not aware of, and not thinking clearly about 
the future. We're not trusting God with the future. We're not handing him lordship. We're saying what we want in the moment and what we think is going to work and be fine and cool. And maybe it works for six months. You know, maybe it's worked for you for a few years. Um, But there is, there's someone who knit us together, who knows the full arc of our story, who, um, who might see a bigger picture than we do and who is calling us to things for our good, for our good. And it's like, Oh, we we're so immediate gratification. Immediate I do. I oh, was yeah. this for so long. It's like oh man, still in so many ways wrestle with that. But it, and like I mean, to that point with just how much you carry into marriage, I've talked to so many close friends who have, who are like, wow, Kate, I wish I had worked through this stuff before marriage, or I wish right? I had taken this more seriously. And there are people who did wait to have sex together until marriage, um, with within their the context of their um, relationship, but mm-hmm. they. Still still had not worked through so many different levels of where their heart was and that from past ties or how much they may even cross boundaries even together that wasn't intercourse, but a lot of yeah. other things. Yeah, and yeah. I've heard it from so many people. I mean, the, the conversations I've had with couples, no one that I've asked have has said, oh yeah, I wish we had done more physically when we were <laughs> dating, you know, exactly. but it's, oh, it's never that. It's always like, you know, I wish that we had not crossed this boundary or I had wished yeah. we had worked through this and healed a little bit more from this and from these soul ties and, and things happen that, you know, from our past before we got married, it's always that it's never like, Oh, yeah. you know, I wish that we had gone a little further. Like, <laughs> And that's what, that's what this culture, this test drive the car before you buy it yeah. culture will try to deceive you into believing. Yeah. If you don't know X, Y, and Z about your partner, if you haven't done this, this or that, then good luck if you get married and all of a sudden you're in the the shock of a lifetime. It's like, it makes it so carnal. Mm -hmm. It takes what is a beautiful gift from God and, and the enemy, as well as just the flesh of man, as well as this culture has minimized it to such a carnal experience Mm -hmm. that there are literally people walking through grievous sin against Mm. themselves, against others. It's become the whole prison. They literally live in bound by these things, literally enslaved to sin Mm -hmm. because they've listened to a world that has taken sex and made it so carnal that, and so detached that there's not even the clear headed thinking of, you know, perhaps I'm marrying someone for more than just sex. (laughs) Perhaps, yeah, maybe we'll have some learning curves at the beginning. Maybe there's going to be some things that we figure out about each other that's going to take time. Maybe, I don't know if anyone has this like mind-blowing Titanic experience like (laughs) the very first time. It's like, maybe there's more. Maybe I'll actually stand at that altar and it'll be because I would give my life for this person because they are my best friend because I would sacrifice anything to see their heart, their life in line with God. It's like, give me the list of the 50 million other reasons you marry someone besides sex. Mm -hmm. And you will find when you step into the covenant, oh man, this was so worth Mm -hmm. listening to what God had to say was going to be best. I have such clear vision Mm -hmm. on what sex even brings to the table in the marriage, what its intent is like. And, and yet you, you, Lord, there's a whole section in my book called the honeymoon hardship. There's a learning curve. There's like figuring it out. But when you are figuring it out within the 
covenantial love of another who you're not afraid they're going to wake up the next morning and bail. Like you're not, they're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So you're not perfect either. And maybe your imperfections are gracefully carried by them and their imperfections are gracefully carried by you. And you actually grow in love as you grow in intimacy. Mm. And it's like, we so miss this. We we're we're creatures made for intimacy with Mm -hmm. God. And there's a difference between pleasure and intimacy and the world has confused the two. And so we're like, let me make sure this person I like can give me all the pleasure that I want. And that there's a pleasurable connection here and we call it intimacy, but it's not Mm -hmm. intimacy runs far deeper than a physical connection. And, um, I, I, I don't, I, We've profoundly, my husband and I, grown in intimacy as we've grown in love and grown in marriage and grown with some time under our belt and like let God heal. And it's just so, it's so different. It's Mm -hmm. so hard. I just want to slap everybody. No, no, myself. No, me too. I mean, sometimes I want to slap myself for even current temptations. And like, I mean, I'm only human, so of course the temptation still arises. A single woman, and I have so many of my friends who are wonderful women and recommitted themselves to stay absent until marriage. But like in their mid thirties, it's hard, you know, it's like, this is, they're like, Lord Jesus, are you for real? Like, you know, know, it's like, I mean, it's one thing and to get married in your early twenties. And then it's another thing to wait till you're 35 and say like, okay, God, I'm a sexual being. And this is really, really tough. Um, and I think that's where, so many of the issues I see too, and and just people who truly love Jesus, who their lives are so committed to Jesus, but just are like struggling wholeheartedly with keep up maintaining this because it's like, shoot, like it's been a long time. You know? Real, yeah, it's real, and and that is an area where I will admittedly say, like I said, you know, in my story, I speak into what. I have some spiritual authority over because it was a part of my story that becomes a layer that is truly where I would sit in, in just compassion under women in that age. And I married it. Oh Lord, how old was I? Uh, 23, 23 or 24. And that was hard enough to get to goodness. Yeah, Yeah. And so, I mean, my, my coworker now, um, she's 29 and Mm -hmm. I I hear about those things from her and there's such a compassion in my heart for, for people navigating this and truly like, like we said, truly trying to really walk this out. Like it, I can only imagine how challenging that becomes in your thirties when really (laughs) it is, it is real. It is strong. It is powerful. It is, really brings to life even more so the call mm-hmm. to die to self, pick up your cross and carry it. Yeah. And so I don't ever want to sit here as someone who married at 23 and I'm like, well, 45 year olds keep hanging on. Like yeah. that is, a, that's a degree that is beyond what I experienced. But I do know that the grace of Jesus stretches even beyond what I experienced mm-hmm. and his, his word never changes. It doesn't say follow this until you're 35 and yeah. it sucks to follow. Like it's, it says, lay down your life, 
pick and up your there cross. There is a and reason for each one of the sacrifices we endure. Reason. You know, like I always say, like, I don't know why you're single to 35 or I don't know why I'm still single at my age. Right. But no. I, I know that God is using this season for a very specific purpose. And if we are called to marriage, in fact, singleness, even if we are single to we're 40 is still a relatively small season compared to potentially being married for 40 or 50 years. Um, yeah. And so even, even in that context, I try to think, okay, let's look at the broader picture. I know, and I don't want to discount any day that's hard. As still as a single woman, I know it's hard, but mm-hmm. I know that this is, you know, God has put that desire on my heart and I believe that marriage is in my future. I believe God keeps confirming that. Then I, I don't doubt that the promises that he says that he's going to fulfill, that he actually will fulfill for me. And yeah. in the context of my entire life, actually this, this time is pretty short and it doesn't mean that it's easy, but it, it just helps me to have so much more hope and peace in knowing that he's going to carry out what he's going to carry out. And I, I can, right. it, I can trust God to be God basically. And I can yeah. surrender control to him if I truly do trust him and believe in him. And there's there is going to be so much reward to that. And I can't, and I sit here saying like, gosh, like I don't believe that just because I've been dating for the last 15 years and still I'm not married. I actually don't believe that means that my, whoever I'm going to end up with is just going to be crappy because I've been through so many crappy relationships. I believe quite the opposite. I'm like, God has brought me this far in my journey. I can only believe and have the trust and the hope that what he has waiting for me is going to blow my mind actually. Yeah. And, and I think there's sort of a place too, that we have to, we have to sit in and understand if God's greatest promise to us is him, yeah. it's himself. Yes, girl. And so can, can I truly stand in and believe that if nothing else comes to pass in my days, if nothing goes like I hope, if nothing pans out like I planned, if nothing is a dream achieved like I dreamed from when I was a young girl. Whatever these days look like, is he enough? Mm-hmm. Is is he enough? Because yeah. it is his presence, his love, his grace, his provision, his lordship that is his greatest promise to us that we would know him. Mm-hmm. And and I think when we become so content and complete and filled by him. Mm. If a husband is brought, if marriage is in our future, it truly becomes the the icing on the cake. It's the cherry on top. It's nothing that you need to be completed. And there's a lot of people out there so desperate and jumping into marriages that don't even have foundational health. Like they just want that ring on their finger Mm -hmm. thinking that's going to complete something. And it's why goodness, the evangelical divorce rate is through the roof. It's It's like, that's not the only reason, but it's, it is when when we are looking for a partner to assign us some value or to complete us in some way, then we're missing a soul reawakened to its worth in the Father's eyes. Mm-hmm. And we're missing the contentment, the filled, the full nature of like, if this never comes for me, God, you're enough. You're really enough. And that's really hard. I would like challenge anybody listening who's like oh, trying yeah. to talk right now, Carol. I don't want to hear say that. I want to challenge you to say that out loud. Like, is God enough? Yeah. And I think when we come to that heart position too, it's one where then if the blessing of a spouse does come, 
we see it as exactly what it is. It's a blessing. Mm -hmm. It's not an entitlement. We don't put unrealistic pressures on them to fill something in us. We don't Mm -hmm. put God-sized expectations on man to, to, you know, complete us, to keep us happy. Mm -hmm. It's like they are truly a blessing and we see them as the gift that they are. And we're more apt to serve them and we're more apt to lay down our lives for them. And I just, you know, I, I was, this just kind of came over my spirit while you were talking a second ago. I think an area that can help us, it's a a style almost of prayer I've been growing in lately. And I, I think about it so much by way of navigating season of singleness and Mm -hmm. even navigating struggle in marriage. Like I've always been one to pray um, if I can tell I'm being gripped by fear or anxiety or thank goodness, this is what it would be in the mind of a 30 year old, 35 year old single person Mm -hmm. who wants to be married. Like what if it never happens? What if X, Y, or Z? So I've always kind of tried to pray the the, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's sort of left there. But recently I was coming across it I was reading something and it was talking about um, the the only way to truly triumph over false prophecy, over us, false spirits, is to pray true spirit, like the spirit of truth mm-hmm. in place. And the spirit of truth is Jesus. Mm-hmm. That is the, the, the true mm-hmm. um, prophet, true prophetic word, true prophetic hope. And so... Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, um, Lord, you know, please take this, take this spirit of anxiety from me, like Mm -hmm. take this spirit of fear. Would we, I think we would be strengthened as a body and a body of single individuals, a body of married individuals. If our prayers became like, God, I recognize this spirit of fear in me. Mm -hmm. Would you replace it, Lord, with a spirit of steadfast hope? I recognize the spirit of anxiousness, anxiety in me that I'm trying to lord my own life and control it. Would you replace it with a spirit of peace? Mm -hmm. Like actually knowing and claiming that which is of the spirit of God Mm -hmm. and replacing it, speaking it over what, whatever I have, you know what? I'm in a season of sexual promiscuity and these urges are real god would you replace it with the spirit of self-control mm-hmm. and it's like i really think that will help every single one of us no matter what season we're in so to walk nice. through navigating this stuff that like we've said is just really hard which is really hard <laughs> if we are always looking at just what's hard yeah. we get to idolize what's hard yes. but we have to have the invitation to replace it with what's holy Yes. And it's like that can become, I think, the rhythm, the anthem of our prayers, of our focus. And that's what will begin to change our hearts as well. Mm. God, you are enough. So whatever you are, replace in me what's not of you. Mm. And I think we would see profound life in our story and mm. a, a second wind in navigating a lot of this stuff. Mm. Girl, I have so much more to say, but I feel like this is, that was just so so profound and so good girl thank you for sharing that that last bit with us too i just i hope so many men and women listening i know they're going to be encouraged by this conversation i feel like we could keep going on there's so many other things i want to talk about with you but um thank you so much mo for just sharing your heart and you god has clearly anointed you with just such um profound wisdom in this area and 
you know, there really is the strength in sharing your vulnerable story. And God has shown that through you sharing your story and being a vessel to really encourage people in this area and redirect them to his heart and reclaiming what their true identity in Jesus is. So I just thank you for all the work that you're doing and for encouraging us today, all of the Heart of Dating listeners. Um, this conversation, these topics are so hard. I think it's one of the hardest parts about dating in the Christian way. And it is, it, we just need this. We so deeply need this encouragement. So thank you, girl. Um, well, hey, I, I could say the exact same over you. I mean, <laughs> profoundly speaking into an area that admittedly the church has really, and I say the church, I mean the body of Christ as yeah. a whole. We've just, we've, we've dropped the ball in or we've muted or we act like it's this middle ground territory that we don't know what to speak into. And it's like, God, God is doing such profound things in this season, in singleness, in dating, in relationships. He is really doing a good work. And I love that you're encouraging people in that, that you're pointing them to truth, that you're centering them around, Mm -hmm. um, that hope and that encouragement, because it's mm. it's a uh, can feel like a desert valley. Oh it's yeah, not- <laughs> it's a desert wasteland for some of us. <laughs> it good, <feels> like yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I, so. I almost I'm like so enthralled by the conversation. I almost forgot to ask you our very last question that we ask every guest is just, um, what is your just final nugget of dating advice? You've given us so much, but just something small. <laughs> Oh, you want small. I'm not good at small. I'm good. Oh, at, you like, could do, do you. you over the head. With <laughs> yeah. um, we, we love it all. <laughs> um, you know what I would say this will be nice and small and really changed my dating relationship with my now husband. Mm. Put your phone away, mm. put your phone down, put your phone away. Don't have it out when you're sharing a meal. Don't have it out when you're sharing time together. Sure. There's that chill time that you just want to be together. You kind of crash on the couch and you know, yeah. maybe you're both on your phones, but like we really need to connect Cultivate eye to eye, face to face, heart to heart. One of my husband's primary love languages is quality time. Mm-hmm. And I thought because we were together, he was getting that until the day he was like, would you please put your phone away and just be present with me? Yeah, and I was like, "Oh crud!" Yeah, <laughs> like, I, oh okay. I'm really sorry about that. And so I, uh, I would, I just want to encourage people on that. It changes the game. Leave your phone at home. Yes. Like, if that gives you a lot of anxiety, then you might need counseling. I I put mine on airplane mode or take away my notifications because text notifications, Instagram notifications, those things drive you crazy every time your phone lights up. So I'll sometimes like just, you can easily change the settings and you can change it back. Um, but there's a word fubbing. It's basically phone snubbing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We do that all the time. We're fubbing people all the time. Fub people. We're like in a culture right now that thinks that literally thinks we have the right to access anybody at any moment. We've Mm -hmm. like lost all boundaries and it's like not worth it. It's Mm -hmm. so not worth it. If you are truly being pursued by someone or pursuing them, then connect with them. Mm -hmm. Ask the hard questions, the deep questions, the real stuff, be present with each other. Like no, no memory of what you scrolled past on Instagram is going to ever be held in your mind above the memory of what you shared with that person in that two hours that you got in the afternoon, you know? So I don't know. I just want to see us 
connect and fub it. or whatever yeah, you call it's it. It's really, yeah, fub is not fubbing. Yeah. Uh, and like, let's make sure we keep that spelling correct in the show notes. Yeah. We only want you to fub with your phone. Don't mistake any of it. Yeah, so. yeah, I love it. And um, if people want to connect with you, we'll obviously include the link to your book um, and where to get that. But how else can they connect with you, girl? Or what else do you have going on that you want to share with us? Um, Well, presently, I'm just waiting for labor to... (laughs) (laughs) I, um, let's see, I would say the best place to connect is, um, I have my website, moisom.com, which we share videos and writings and whatnot on, and it's got links to all the social media, but I love Instagram yeah, um, and Insta stories and, uh, just kind of connecting that way. That's probably where I'm most active. So I was, I said, we're waiting for labor because we're actually, we're stepping back for a few months and I don't know how present I'll be on social media. It'll just depend, you know, we're just resting for a bit. But um, people can connect on there again on moisom.com and um, the books are on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, Wreck My Life, as well as Sex, Jesus and the Conversations of Church Forgot. Um, Mm -hmm. We're kind of just all over the place, I guess, that people are on the interwebs. (laughs) Yes, which is the place to be. Just have to Google your name. It's all there, right? It's like, I can find everything. Well, Mo, thank you so much, girl. I know you're pregnant. You're killing it. You still came on and I really appreciate you and your heart and just all the things you had to share with us today. I mean, I learned, I feel convicted. Um, and I, I just hope and pray that people, I kind of, I can't imagine if people didn't listen to this and feel convicted. I'm like, okay, why don't you go back and re-listen to it? Um, <laughs> just we didn't even get fire and brimstone. You want to really talk? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. We, we had a part two, you know? <laughs> podcast. Oh man. But thank no, you so much. It was my pleasure. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I'll talk to you soon. Bye girl. Sex, virginity, purity, all the things, y'all. How do you feel after hearing Mo speak so passionately and candidly about the subject today? I love that we were able to reestablish the beauty of purity and bring it back to its true form and meaning. Mo said, when it comes to purity, it is not just about behavior modification. It is about heart transformation. And it really is, friends. So how do we truly seek purity in our minds, hearts, and bodies on a daily basis because of the gift God himself has given us with it? Now I get it, y'all. The struggle is real with boundaries, and I will admit I haven't always been the best in the past. But what I do know is that true conviction will stick when it is deeply ingrained into our hearts. We will be much more likely to say no to crossing a boundary when our hearts are truly convinced of why this is so beautiful and important to us. So this week, I urge you to pray about this episode and really start asking God to give you a radical heart transformation from the inside out. What do you say? I cannot be more thankful for your support of the Heart of Dating podcast. I am blown away by your rankings, reviews, messages, all of it. If you want to be a part of our inner circle and support what we are doing, we encourage you to pledge any dollar amount that you want on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash heartofdating. Also, if you like this podcast, would you please consider giving us a review? It helps us immensely and we cannot thank you more. Until next time, friends.